0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Maverick Mondays. I'm your host, Maverick Peters. It is my intention to change your Mondays, to change your week, and to change your life. One episode, one Monday at a time, here on the Maverick Mondays podcast. I've had the incredible opportunity to sit down with some pretty fantastic people. The individuals who are successful at what they do, or are extremely positive-minded in the way they live their daily lives, Those are the people we will be hearing from on this show. Stay tuned for today's guest. Our guest today on the Maverick Mondays podcast is motivational speaker, keynote speaker, Rocky Romanella. Mr. Romanella is the founder and CEO of 360 Management Services, a business that essentially helps other businesses find success. He is the author of the Five Star Book and Tighten the Lugnuts. Rocky has actually been featured on a handful of other podcasts, including Build Your Network with Travis Uh, chapel leveraging thought leadership with Peter Winnick and burn it up with with Chris Burns and now all the way from Allentown New Jersey Rocky is featured on our very own Maverick Mondays podcast with Maverick Peters Rocky welcome thank you so much
1: well Maverick it's a pleasure to be here and thank you for that warm introduction
0: for someone who doesn't exactly know what you do, how would you uh, explain or describe what it is that you do?
1: I think the first step is is we kind of talk a little bit about who who are you, what do you stand for as an organization, and what are you trying to accomplish as an organization. And so for me, that's, uh, and, and that certainly that can happen as an individual as well. You know, who are you as an individual, what do you stand for, what are the things you're trying to accomplish, and what are the things that you won't compromise as an individual. So if it's an individual coaching session, we would start there. If it's a business, it's really similar. And so we, we we try to help people kind of come to that aha moment on who are they, what do they stand for, what are the things they won't compromise and what are the things you're trying to accomplish.
0: What are some what are some techniques that you use for that? Like how, how would you how would you help that, a person find out, you know, who he is or what he should be doing, how he should be progressing?
1: Well, I think the first thing you do is ask some very good leading questions that allow the individual to talk about themselves. I mean, most people are not comfortable about talking about themselves. I mean, yeah, of course, you know, put aside those individuals, that love to, love to hear themselves talk, put that on the side <laughs> for a second. You know, most people just, you know, will either show you their business or they'll talk about their business. And once you find that spot where they're more comfortable, if it's a, if it's a business you're trying to help them work with, sometimes if it's a person's not comfortable talking about their business, you may say to them, hey, you know, Maverick, let's go take a look at your business. Show me what you do, show me how you do it. And then that's when you really see them start to blossom and shine, when they start to talk about their business and they show you the things that they do. If someone really is comfortable talking about their business, then you ask them leading questions. Hey, how did it start? You know, Tell me what you're most excited about. Tell me what keeps you up awake at night. And, and some of those questions work, obviously, when you're talking about coaching and mentoring uh, an individual. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me about your family. And so you try to ask those leading questions and allow them to talk about themselves and get comfortable in that because that's really the first step in that in the answer to that question who are you
0: right do you think that everyone should should be getting involved with your business and with your organization to help them grow or do you think that some businesses are well off and don't necessarily need uh, the help the guidance or even the training wheels per se that you guys offer
1: well I, I think what ends up happening is is that you know whether you're and that's a great question by the way and it's not so much a, a great question about whether someone should be engaged with us at 360 or engaged. I think the question is what I think the thoughtful question is is that you're always trying to reposition your business. I mean the first hundred years of a company, so take a a seasoned company like a UPS where I spent thirty six years, the first hundred years doesn't guarantee you the second hundred years. And you think there's there's so many companies out there that are such, you know, great examples of that. Well I'll give you the two quick ones. I mean you're probably too young but but Woolworths at one time was, you know, known as the five and dime and, and on their hundred and five year, six year anniversary when they closed Woolworths, someone, you know, and they asked the CEO why is there no longer a Woolworths? He said, Well no one really buys from a five and dime. Well if you think about it today, can there be another Dollar Tree, Dollar Store, or under five, Dollar General store out there? So it clearly wasn't that people weren't interested in five and dimes, it's that they had lost their way. And of course there was a serious Sears catalog, Sears and Robux, Sears was was the largest retailer at one time, and today is a shell of their former self. And in the 170 year anniversary, they stopped doing the Sears catalog. And when asked why, the CEO said, "Well, you know, no one really, you know, buys from a Sears catalog. No one buys from catalogs anymore." And I ask, you this? Can you get another catalog in your mail?" And and by the way, who is Sears today? It's Amazon. So so in a in a a company that's a strong company that's been around a long time, there's no guarantee that you'll be there forever, and so it's how do you adjust, how do you change. So companies like myself and people like me who like to sit and kind of probe a little bit and discuss and try to do what are the what-if scenarios are always good for seasoned companies because it maybe helps you move past that, you know, static position you're in now, and, and how do we change, what do we look like in three to five years. From a small business perspective, if you think about it, we're good for small businesses because... If you think about the strength of a small business owner, small business owner, no one knows your business better than they do. No one's more committed than they are. They know their business. That's their strength. What's their, what's their weakness, Maverick? Well, they know their business. Nobody knows it better than they do. They know how to run their business. And so sometimes they're so involved in the day-to-day, they're so tactical that every, they, they lose sight of the fact that as a small business owner, you have to take that step back and understand what are we going to look like in the next three months, six months, 18 months. So I think regardless of your size or your, or your tenure or, or the amount of years you've been around, you're always looking to redefine yourself and try to get an understanding of where the puck is going, not to where the puck has been.
0: Absolutely. And uh, on, a, on a more personal level, what has to happen in your life, in your uh, business career, in the next five years for you to feel happy with your success? Well we'll kinda you know we'll kinda mean? turn kinda turn the table on you for a second.
1: Yeah, well thank you there. Thank you. So I think it for me it's always about this concept of legacy. Do you leave things a little better than you found them? Are people better because of their time with you? Or you know, are your customers better because of their interaction with your business? And so for me, it's always about this concept of legacy. Am I always trying to make things a little bit better? Am I helpful in the things I'm doing? Uh, at this point in my life and career after forty years of business and thirty six at UPS and uh, over three years as a CEO of a telecom company that we sold and is doing very well today. For me, it's about this, are things a little bit better? And so for me, five years from now, you know, through my keynote speaking or training or some of the consulting we do, are things a little bit better? Was I able to make someone else's life a little better or make their company a little bit better? So that would be it for me. And so that, so it's this concept of legacy. Do you leave things a little better than you found them? And, and so for that's that's sort of my, you know, kind of vision and the thing that I always try to do to keep myself fresh and to keep me always motivated.
0: So 40 years in business, how have things changed since day one?
1: Well, think about it. When I first started at UPS, I was a part-timer on loaded trailers and became a UPS driver. And to those days, I was on paper. And, uh, you know, to me, my biggest problem was if it rains, is the paper going to get wet and is the carbon paper going to work? And so today, it's all handheld devices. So I think technology has been a huge impact on business. I think the thing that people always, I always believe, and I think people have to believe, that ultimately you can have the greatest technology, you can have the best equipment, but ultimately it's always about your people. It's your ability to, to take, to understand the people in your care. And I never say people work for me, the people in my care. So the people in your care, they understand what role they play they understand what you're trying to accomplish as a company. And so it's always going to get down to people. People are still the most important asset in any organization. And so while technology is great. And as I gave you that example, I'm delivering on paper and today it's all handheld devices and the devices are getting smaller and they, and they're online and, and the information is, you know, transmitted so quickly. Ultimately though, it's a well-trained driver who, you know, service provider who clearly understands his or her role. executes the brand on behalf of your company so it's still always about people
0: so would you say that the success of 40 years in business would you say that that comes from building your network and your connections with people
1: I think it's your ability to work with people Um, you know networking and those things are all good but at the end of the day it's your ability to interact with people it's your ability to understand you know you know what what's going on in each of the people in your carers life and you're trying to you know be that good leader And so it really comes down to are you are you a leader do you lead people do you motivate them or are you just a, you know or or do you view the people in your care as hired hands are you trying to help them get to that next point point? And, and, and everyone's at a different stage right so I tell people all the time and I wrote my book tighten the lug nuts it's about leadership for me we're all leaders at one time or another uh, I think sometimes people get hung up with titles. It's, you know, if you're, unless you have a title of CEO or a general manager or manager, oh, I'm not a leader. Well, no, individual contributors are leaders. It's the way they do their job, it's the way they interact with other people, it's the way they mentor other people just by the way they do their job. So to me, we're all leaders at one time or another. And so I think it's the ability to work with others, it's the ability to get along with people. And I think for a leader, it's the ability to understand it's never about you as the leader, it's always about your people.
0: So speaking of a leader, how do you know if, if if what you're saying is true, if everyone at one point or another is a leader in some facet, how how do you know when, when it's your time? How do you know when you're leading and how can you maximize that, that opportunity?
1: Well, let me give you a quick example if that's okay, Maverick. Yeah. So my example to you would be… Uh, if i was given a keynote speech today and we had 3 or 400 people in the audience and i asked everyone in the audience hey so who is your state representative or who's your local head of the board of ed or you know some some local you know person uh, no one could answer most people couldn't answer that question but if i asked a question to the group hey who's that teacher who made a difference in your life everybody stops tilts their head oh miss so and so fifth grade mr so and so sixth grade so everyone has that teacher who made who has made a difference in your life, and if you think about my concept of leadership, which is leaving a legacy, making a difference, leaving things a little better than you found them. By that extension, every teacher is a leader then, right? And so it's so your time is the, the the job that you're doing, the position that you're in, the situation that you're in you know, how are you handling yourself? If you're that individual contributor, are you doing it to the best of your ability? Do you do it with energy and enthusiasm? Are people better because when they walk over to you as an individual contributor, you're managing no one, uh, you're not technically leading anyone, You're, you're that individual contributor, but yet people will come over and ask you a question. You may mentor them by the way you talk to them about how the business has grown over the past 20, 30 years. And by that extension, you're now a leader. And so we're all leaders at one time or another. Now, you may get that promotion to the next level and so that's in a more traditional setting. But all of us as parents, as teachers, as little league coaches, soccer coaches, you know, cheerleading coaches, we're all leading we're all people are always watching things that we do and learning from the things that we do.
0: You mentioned if you would ask someone who in their who in their own life inspires them who do they look up to and everyone tilts their head and comes up with someone if i asked you that question rocky what what would you say who, who do you look up to who's your source of motivation who's your role model
1: i would say the two people that have been the most influential in my personal life has been my dad who's since passed but as a child growing up was very influential in my life and then in, in my adult life, there's no doubt it's my wife, Debbie. I mean, uh, she's been such a strong influence on my life, and I would, th- I would never be where I am today w- without her influence and us working together, raising a family, moving across the country with my job. I would say my, those two are significant people in my personal life. In my professional life, uh. You know, I I, I I love reading about Coach Wooden. I had the opportunity to meet legendary Coach John Wooden from UCLA. Spent about four hours talking to him one day. And In fact, on my website, I have the actual interview I had with him. If anyone, uh, It's 1999, so I looked much younger then. But uh, but it was <laughs> a great interview, great conversation with Coach Wooden. I would say Coach Wooden would be one of those influential uh, people, and and of course, people along the way that I worked with through my career at UPS and. And later on, as CEO, uh, the chairman of the board of our company, it was a publicly held company, as CEO, was a very strong influence in my life. So there's always individuals that come in and out of your life throughout your career, but I would say the consistency would be my dad and then my wife, Debbie.
0: Speaking of Coach Wooden, what was that like? What was the experience of meeting the legendary Coach Wooden
1: like? Oh, that was amazing. That was uh, such a – oh, awesome – such a humble man, such a, a, and I when I spoke to him, he was probably eighty nine at the time, and was just so articulate. We had a great conversation, and uh, you know I was, I was, uh, and it was just to show you how humble he was. Uh, I, at that time, I was a member of a, you know, I was a senior leader at UPS, and every year we had our management conference, which is about two, just a little over two hundred of the most senior UPS leaders, and. Each of us would get an assignment depending on your year and what you were doing, and so mine was with a few other U.P.S.ers to talk about leadership and to talk a little bit, you know, about role models, and, and, and so I reached out for Coach Wooden. I just called the U.C.L.A. athletic department and said, "Hey, I saw Coach Wooden speak uh, at the Anaheim Pond at the time. It's since changed names already, but anyway." So I I, I just said, "Hey, I'd love to talk to Coach Wooden." Got the assistant athletic director. He said, yeah, I think he's like, you know, I'm sure he would talk to you. So he gave me his phone number, said to me, hey, if you get a chance? Send him a note and then call him. So sure enough, I sent him a nice note. Next day, I UPS it to him and then uh, tell him what the conference is about. And, you know, would love, love him to speak at it. Uh, waited a week or two, called him. Got his answer machine as, as the director told me what happened and left him a message. And he would call me back. He said, Well, a couple more weeks went by. I hadn't heard from a Maverick. I'm thinking, Wow, this is getting close to the deadline. So I called him one more time. And of course, coach wouldn't have this pyramid of success. So I said, You know, coach Rocky Romanella, I uh, sent you a message. Love to talk to you. And I went through some of the building blocks of the pyramid of success. I said, Look, I got all the hard work, enthusiasm, competitive greatness, you know, all those building blocks. said, But I really need your help. I got four kids. I love to talk to you (laughs) you know sure enough an hour hour later phone rings and my daughter jimory says to me hey dad some guy just called you coach wooden i'm like oh i pull over it was 1999 so you pull over you know those i think we had the phone that was in the big bag at the time you know (laughs) cigarette lighter but anyway the long story short he said come on why don't you come visit me so i actually spent four hours with him in his condo in westwood he was just great we had some great stories and uh just a gentleman and and the thing that i was most impressed about with coach Wooden, it was never about him you could never get him to talk about himself he would always find a way to talk about one of the players or talk about some other coaches talk about some of his students he was a teacher before he was a coach in fact he built his pyramid of success around uh, his students and trying to use the pyramid to help motivate his students and in class to try to be the best they could be so i just an amazing person an amazing man and it's probably one of the highlights of my professional career was spending time with him and we recorded uh, he wasn't able to attend the actual meeting we recorded the the interview and uh so that's what's up on my website on the, you, you can, on the coach's corner you get a chance to see it. but just an amazing amazing person and one of the things that we said to him is hey coach you know traditionally you know you would pay a speaker or you know well, you know, whatever your fee is, and he said, no, no fee. You asked me for some help, and I don't mind helping you at all. And I said, no, coach, we're, we're okay with that. He goes, no, 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 really. really. He said, i tell you what, would you be willing to donate to the Jimmy Valvano Fund? And if you remember legendary coach Jimmy Valvano passed away of cancer but gave the uh, very compelling speech, never give up. And so I, we donated to the Jimmy V Foundation. And then today, for every book I sell, I donate $1 to the Jimmy V Foundation uh, one to give back, and two out of uh, respect for Coach Wooden and Coach V for you know all all they did, not only in sports, but what they did with their players and how and how grateful and how gracious they were as as leaders and as coaches.
0: That's incredible. So let's uh, let's talk about your books. You're the author of the Five Star Book and Tighten the Lug Nuts.
1: So Tighten the Lug Nuts is a story. So each so the book is written in a story fashion. Uh, it's written in the third person by a gentleman by the name of Joe Scaffone. And so how Joe Scafone became, uh, became Joe Scafone is is that I never liked the feeling, Maverick, when someone would ask me a question or present to me an idea and say, hey, I got this new idea. I never liked the feeling of saying, well, you know, Maverick, that's a good idea, but what if you looked at it this way or what if you did this? I always felt like that stifled conversation and that maybe you would look at me as, ah, oh, rocket doesn't think it's a good idea. So I never—I wanted to challenge you to not stop at the first right answer, but I wanted to challenge you in a positive way. And so some years ago, many years ago, I developed this character, Joe Scaffone. I would say, to him, hey, Maverick, that's a good idea. But you think Joe Scaffone thinks that's a good idea? And that was my way of challenging you. So as time went on, Joe Scaffone became this character, this person that everybody kind of associated with me. And so people would come to a meeting and say, hey, I covered this with Joe. Joe thinks it's a good idea. And I'm like, okay, that's great, but let me take a look at it. And so it was. It was much easier for me to write the book in this third person than it would be for me to say, "I think you should look at it this way, or maybe you should do it this way." And so it felt less preachy by using Joe. And so Joe is the narrator of the of the book and the stories. And each chapter has a story, as you can tell. I love to tell stories and give analogies. And so. There's a story in every chapter, and then there is a chapter on the title of the book, Tighten the Lug Nuts. And without giving away the story too much, it really comes down to, if you think about it, Maverick, when the lug nuts are loose, they're important. But if you don't take the five minutes to tighten the lug nuts, and if the wheel falls off, they become urgent. And in life, you can only handle so many urgent things. So don't allow important things to become urgent. Tighten the lug nuts.
0: I love that. So you're a public speaker. You're a keynote speaker. You, I'm I'm assuming you travel the country, maybe even the world public speaking. Is that correct? Yes, sir. I, I can't remember where I saw it, but I know I read it. I know it's a statistic out there. I'm pretty sure the number one fear of people is public speaking. Maybe number one or number two, for sure the top five.
1: Yes, absolutely. I would agree with you on that.
0: Have you always been comfortable public speaking?
1: No, absolutely not. I mean, in fact, I'm the last person, any of the guys I went to, people I went to high school would say would be a public speaker. In fact, when I was in sixth grade and I was in the, the Christmas play, I just wanted to be the baby Jesus. Lay me in swaddling clothes, <laughs> wrap me in a major. I don't want to say a word. I ended up being the shepherd pointing at the star. I wanted no public
0: speaking. So, Rocky, how'd uh, you public, get here?
1: No, so for me, when, as I started to progress through UPS and grow and develop inside of UPS, I realized that if I was going to be a successful leader, communication was such an important part. The ability to communicate was such an important part of, of being a, a good leader. And so there's there's one-on-one communication, which I'm much more comfortable with. And then there's, of course, communication in a group setting, whether it's a keynote or a larger group. And so I, I looked at it as if I was going to be successful, I had to work on this skill this of being a public speaker. And so for me, what I did is because I'm much better as a one-on-one person, I, as I'm doing my keynote speech, I actually make contact, eye to eye contact with people in the audience. Now, as I'm giving my keynote, people will say, "Hey, you make great contact. I feel like you're talking right to me," and I and I always smile to myself, thinking, "Well, that's true because that's how I get over public speaking." I as I'm making contact with each of you in the audience, I'm thinking I'm having a one-on-one conversation. So if you were in that keynote speech, Maverick, I would be looking at I'd see you, and you'd be nodding your head, and I would be having my conversation with you. I'd move to the next person. They would kind of, you know, kind of acknowledge, and I would acknowledge back to them, and so. Each, that's my way of getting through public speaking is, is I look at it as a one-on-one conversation with individuals inside the room, and I never allow the room to become intimidating because I'm looking at it as individuals inside the room. Everybody has their own um, kind of trick that they use, style that they use, uh, so I think that that's important. And secondly, I never think, no matter how good you are at anything, my dad rests with to always, always say, you know, two things to me, whatever they ask you to do, say yes and thank you, and then learn your job and learn some more. So for me, I never think that I've made it or I'm that great public speaker. I always believe, you know, hey, you know what, I can always do better. I can always approve. I'm always open to constructive criticism. So I think that that's what always keeps me, you know, fresh and keeps me working on things.
0: That's incredible. So your method is a little atypical when it comes to public speaking. I know the, the classic solutions are, you know, Look look above, look past the crowd and don't make eye contact or picture everyone in their underwear. <laughs> I know that those are some yeah. s- some tools that a lot of people use. It's interesting how you how you make eye contact. That's interesting.
1: Well, I took my strength. I took my, I tried to take my strength of being a better one-on-one communicator. I was so I said, well, in the communication space, I'm I'm very comfortable one-on-one, you and I having a, like today we're having a conversation. Right. So to me, then I'm trying to project that across a room of 400 people.
0: Right. You're going to speak at the 2020 Napa Expo in Las Vegas.
1: Yes, sir. Tell Excited, me. Excited, looking forward to it. Yeah.
0: Tell me about that. What's that? What's that event like? What are you gonna? Maybe you can give us a little snippet about what you're going to be speaking about. A little teaser. Yeah, so
1: it's a uh, it, it's a group of uh, all of their distributors and their uh, you know independent parts uh, you know independent stores and and I'm very comfortable in that setting because uh, one of my responsibilities inside of UPS is is we purchase mailbox et cetera and, and rebrand it to the UPS store and I had that as a direct report and the UPS store is interesting because a it's a it's a very large network it was the largest rebranding of a franchise network but they're all independent business owners UPS owns no no UPS stores, they're all independently owned. And I got the opportunity to work with just tremendous, tremendous franchisees who are just excellent entrepreneurs. And so I'm very comfortable in that space and I have absolutely great respect for entrepreneurs. To me, nobody's more in than an entrepreneur. And so the Napa Auto Parts to me is such a great opportunity to meet wonderful entrepreneurs. There's a piece of it that's, you know, obviously corporate that's in, responsible for the you know, for the network, but you're, you know, I'm excited about the opportunity to meet so many independent business owners, franchisees, uh, you know, uh, you know, licensed people who are licensed to sell on behalf of that. But it's just a great group of, of people, and I just love entrepreneurs. I mean, I have great respect for them. I, I, I'm when you think about how an entrepreneur slides everything across they have on the table and says, I'm all in. I mean, think about that. I mean, that is the ultimate and being all in. So I'm excited about that meeting many different people. It's an international uh, conference. So there'll be people from all around the world. And I'll be speaking on this concept of balanced leadership. And for me, balanced leadership is when you make your decisions as a leader, you make them with three key constituents in mind, your customers, your people, your shareholders, stakeholders. And I always say, you want to think like a customer, you want your people to feel like valued individuals, but you want to act like an owner in all your decisions. And so this concept of balanced leadership is what I'll be talking about.
0: Your biggest challenge leading up until now, what was it and how did you overcome it?
1: So for me, my, one of my biggest challenges was always this, this concept of, you know, am I ready for this next responsibility? I never wanted to embarrass myself or my family or put my company in harm's way because I wasn't ready. And so for me, it was always a challenge of understanding, you know, what it is they're asking me to do. I mean, I, I, you know, through my UPS career, you know, I rose to a very senior level and had, you know, some very traditional responsibilities inside of UPS. But for example, as I just spoke to you about, I had the responsibility of uh, the MBE, then, you know, then the UPS store when we rebranded it as part of my responsibility, I had no franchising experience, and then we purchased over twenty companies and built what's today UPS Supply Chain Solutions, and um, so I had that responsibility for the side of the world for UPS and you know logistics, supply chain, transportation. So so how I how I overcame those things is, and I think it was a lesson for me and a, and a lesson maybe for your audience as well. Any new responsibility that I that I received I always and think about it, I was running a, a, tele, a communications company we were building cell towers upgrading cell towers as a CEO so the first thing I, I would always go back to what I learned you know you learn first you retain the longest and for me it was when I got promoted from a part-time supervisor to a full-time supervisor before I could become a full-time supervisor I became a UPS driver I drove from Plainfield New Jersey and it was such a great experience for me but what it taught me was the opportunity to learn the job, uh, at that front line. And for me, it was always about the respect that you give those people doing the job by trying to at least walk a day in their shoes and try to understand the job. And so for me, I enjoyed being a driver. It was a great experience for me. Uh, and so that lesson though, I took forward in everything I did. So the first thing I did when I received the responsibility at UPS for the UPS store was go spend a day in the store, put an apron on it and learn what it takes. to to be in the store. Now, I never had the experience they did or the expertise they did, but I wanted to learn it from that front-line level and understand that, you know, what is it like a day in their lives? And so when I took over the supply chain, go pick an order. You know, when I took over the responsibility at Unitech for the, you know, tower climbing and installation work of cable or direct TV, spend a day with a a technician or... go to a cell site, you know, how, how do we build a cell tower? How does it work? What are the safety requirements? So I think that that's a lesson or a, a, an opportunity that we all have as we learn, take on new responsibilities or maybe take, take on a new piece of business. Go spend the day uh, and try to do that piece of business for the day and at least, you know, give the people the respect you do it every day that you want to know what goes on in their life, how they do it, you know, so I guess I would tell you I could never be on the cover boss. I would never be on the cover boss, would never want to be on the cover boss because I would I'd rather be cheers. Everybody knows your name and and they, they they see you, you walk the talk and they under you know you take the time to learn the business.
0: Right, I understand. Um, right? The, the name of the podcast, Maverick Mondays, is kind of kind of to jumpstart our week a little bit from the from the Monday blues feeling. Have you ever had that feeling before, Rocky?
1: Yeah, I think we all go through it. I think the lesson for me was always don't let your, and, and the way I try to avoid it is don't let your highs get too high and your lows get too lows. I think if you let your highs get too high, you get a little bit sloppy. You, you know, you you start to take things for granted because you're, you know, you're in a good spot, things are going well. And then when your lows are too lows, you seem to get down on yourself and you seem to feel like there's nothing you can accomplish. And so those are really difficult days, right? You had a rough week. Your weekend didn't go well because you were so focused on the previous week. Your lows were so low that you start off Monday in a bad spot, and you know you, you still can't get out of your own way, it feels like. And so for me, the lesson that I learned was don't let your highs get too high and your lows get too low. Stay somewhere in that 60 to 80% range where, hey, if you had a good week and things went well, you know what? Just quietly act like you've been there before, right? You don't need to spike the football in the end zone. Just act like you've been there before because you know what's going to happen in a few weeks. You're going to have a rough day. You're going to have a fumble. Things aren't going to go well. And when you have a rough day or you have a, a fumble, don't put, don't, you know, I mean, look, you, you're going to soak a little bit, but you got to say, hey, all right, let's go. Let's, let's let me tighten my spikes, get back out there, give me the ball again, and let's get moving again. So don't let your highs get too high and your lows get too lows. It helps you really get, you know, to avoid those doldrums or avoid being so overconfident that, you know, you kind of make those silly mistakes that you make from overconfidence and it really gives you a chance to start off your, your, uh, your week in a, in a good way.
0: Rocky. I love that. And I hate to do this, um, but we gotta, we gotta cut it here. Please leave our audience with one, one or two little nuggets of inspiration. If this was your microphone, if this was, you know, the mic to a PA system of the world and you had to offer one piece of advice to everyone, What would that be?
1: First piece of advice would be: think about your legacy. So, what is the word you would like people to use to describe you at the end of your career? What's the word that you would like someone to use to describe you at the end of your career? And if you pick that word, for me, the word was thoughtful. I always wanted to be considered a thoughtful leader or a thoughtful person, and I look at things from its wise consequences. Once you pick that word, whatever that word is that you pick, so whatever word you pick, Maverick. Well, then your whole career is a mosaic. You're building a mosaic to support that word. For me, it was thoughtful. For you, it could be something else. So that would be the first thing. Think about what is that word that you want people to use to describe you at the end of your career. And the second thing is it's important for you to take inventory of who you are, what you stand for, and what are the things you won't compromise. One and two will be easy for you to describe. Who am I? What do I stand for? Companies can do it all the time. There's posters in every cafeteria, that our values, mission statement, who we are, what we stand for. Number three is always the most difficult. What won't you compromise? And that's the one you'll get challenged on. And you have to clearly understand who am I as a person, what do I stand for, and what are the things I won't compromise.
0: I love that. Rocky Romanella, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, it really means a lot to me. And uh, much success with everything. Here are some great takeaways from this episode. 1. When dealing with people, a very tried and true method of connecting on a deeper level is ask and be interested in them. See what they need. See what they want. 2. Break down your big fears into small ones and tackle the small ones. Instead of speaking to hundreds of people, Rocky himself looks at them as though he's speaking to them one-on-one. 3 become interested in other aspects of the business or of the project. See how all the parts work Four. stay balanced between highs and lows to maintain a proper level of motivation from day to day or week to week. Don't let your highs get too high and don't let your lows get too low. Five, what's the one word you want people to use when describing you and your legacy? Build a mosaic around that. And six, contemplate and regularly take inventory of one, who you are, two, what you stand for, and three, what are the things you will not compromise. Thank you for listening. Hey, real quick, before you go, if you happen to be listening to this episode on an iPhone or Apple product, please be sure to leave a kind review on iTunes or the Apple podcast app. Otherwise, be sure to check out more at www.mvpodcasting.com. That's mvpodcasting.com. Thank you.